Welcome to another episode of the Horizon Roundtable. I'm your host, Matt Dudek, uh, who you can find on Twitter at Horizon Matt. Uh, you usually hear Bob McDonald, who uh, might be joining us shortly here. Uh, you can follow the podcast at Horizon RT on Twitter. Uh, head on over to the website, horizonroundtable.com, for all the articles, podcast content, uh, whatever your little Horizon League hearts desire. Um, with the NCAA season coming to an end, Bob and I had planned to take a breather. It was our time. We, we talked about it on our last episode that I, I was like, I'm done. I need a minute. Um, but we said that was unless we got today's guest on, which, uh, in which case <laughs> we knew we had to get this episode together. So joining us today from uh, Green Bay, uh, head coach Sundance, Sonny Wicks, uh, new, new head coach for the Green Bay Phoenix. Welcome to the Horizon Roundtable, Sonny. Matt, appreciate your brother, the Horizon, baby. I love it, man. All things Horizon. I heard you guys are... The guys are the super fans, the deep dives, the the, the behind the enemy lines guys. Uh, you know, I like to think that we're like the the voice of of all Horizon fans, and you know, all things happening within the Horizon League. You know, we've kind of started as just a bunch of bloggers, and that's turned into articles. That's turned into you know, actually getting pretty legitimate here. So uh, you know, it's always nice to know you can get a coach on, and when we can get a a new coach on, especially that's a really good day for us. When was the tipping point for you guys where you decided like, we're going to, we're going to take this as far down the rabbit hole as we can. Oh man. Yeah. I'm supposed to be the one asking questions here. Uh, I would say this is good. This is everybody needs to know a little bit of origin story, the Genesis, you know, I would say probably like four seasons ago is where it started to get like went from kind of fun into like, okay, how much of this can we really do? And then uh, I think the biggest thing for us was the COVID season where we were credentialed. Yeah. So when you only have 10 people in the arena and we're, we're one of those 10, that's able to, you know, tell the fans what's going on and, you know, try to fill them in and, you know, being, being welcomed in those scenarios. I think that was honestly huge for us. Like as much as, you know, that season sucks for everybody. That was, that was great for us. <laughs> well, COVID, COVID provide a platform, right. For the people behind the scenes to get all access and you got really intimate with it. I mean, even when there's no fans in the stands, um, you can start to hear things more. You can kind of see a little bit like what happens on the, on, it, it was really weird having huddles where there was like still music playing, but you looked around, there's nobody around you. It was the wild. only, the only uh, like noise and energy coming from the benches. I mean, that's where you had these bench mobs that became such yeah. a huge part of these games. You know, yeah. uh, locally it was Cleveland State, man. Uh, I think because that was Dennis Gates' first year, and yeah. uh, the, his bench mob was just so good. They brought so much energy, you could feel it. It was, it was unreal. Yeah, so we had a Wyoming. We had, the, we had the blue collar boys. We had the the BCBs. And uh, you just kind of, you know, you want your bench to take on a personality and have some life. And that that really, when you bring your own juice like that, you know, that's, we always call it, you got BYOJ games. Sometimes you get to teams or, or spots in league play or non-league play, just a weird time on a Sunday afternoon. And there's nobody in the fan, no fans in the stands. It's a BYOJ game. Got to bring your own juice. Oh, and we're going to, trust me, in my <laughs> list of questions, we're, we're going to ask you about, about the juice. We're not there yet, but, but we know. We've, we've done our research as best as we can. We're going to get there. It's um, all good. So I have to assume, you know, as, as you're starting in, in Green Bay, you know, and we're better than with the Horizon Roundtable. So I'm assuming you've listened to like all 200 plus episodes that we've no done. Question. You know, you're you're yeah. up you're up and running now. So uh, you, you ready for, for our questions? Let's do it. Let's go. All right. So uh, first question, why Green Bay for you? I mean, it was it was the perfect job. Um, I, there's there, I think there's jobs that fit personality styles. Uh, I, I don't know if I've ever been a, a ready made coach where I just want to come in, plug and play and just sit down and all I have to worry about is strategy and scheme. Uh, that doesn't get me going. All right. So those, the jobs that I've always been involved in, the jobs I've been around are, are jobs that have, you know, big mountains to climb. My first head coaching job was Missouri Western. I think they had won five, six games and seven games the previous two years. When we went to Wyoming, uh, it was very similar. It was like eight games and nine games. You know, um, it was just programs that had kind of been, like I said, not dead, but dormant and just needed a little bit of a boost, a little, in, little injection of juice. 
Uh, and so Green Bay was was the perfect fit uh, in, that, in that sense where you run into the fire. You know, I always you hear me say that a lot, just run into the fire. I'm a run into the fire type of guy. Uh, let's go save some lives. And so so when when I when I knew the job was open and I've known Josh Moon, who's the athletic director, and I think that's a, a vital piece, too, that you can't underestimate is a working relationship, uh, familiarity with your boss uh, who's leading the charge in this department. Right. Really transformational type leader. Uh, those are the type of guys you want to be boots on the ground with. You want to be in the trenches with. You want to be on the front lines with. And so those things, no, you're, you're pulling in the same direction. Uh, there's not going to be a butting of the head. Well, I have this philosophy and you have that philosophy. Uh, he's the same type of way. It's just nonstop. It's, it's, it's relentless. And I love that. And that's where, you know, when you come in, you try, to, you try to rally everybody, the whole department. I mean, we're trying to raise and elevate the entire image uh, of Green Bay, from the campus to the community, to our athletic department, uh, to academics. So to me, the, the, these type of jobs are all encompassing. I love it. I have the requisite energy level for this type of stuff. Uh, it's just nonstop. It's 24-7. So that, that's, it's the perfect fit. That's just really what it comes down to. And it's the best job in the country. You heard, you heard me say that in a press conference. But, I mean, at the end of the day, people look at it and you go, oh, man, you were 361 out of 363 teams. Great. Freaking great. Like, where are we going? We're going up. Right? That's what we're doing here. And so we're, we're, we're able to, to have a, a ground zero and do nothing but go up from here. It's kind of like you're, you're looking at my show sheet in some ways because you're starting to hit on some of the things that we're going to. So you're making my transition life easy. Um, so while you were at Missouri Western, you talked about that. Um, you know, you led that team to a pretty significant turnaround in those two years. Um, can yeah. you just talk about that experience and how that kind of turns into what you're looking at here in Green Bay? Yeah, I think, you know, there's, uh, you could probably describe me as an enemy of the status quo, right? I think there's, you get kind of these, belief systems where people say, you know, they hear them talk about coaches, talk about culture, you know, organizations talk about culture. And it used to be, you know, there's a cycle to this, right? There's a four year cycle. Once I get my guys in there, you know, our culture will be created. And it always is like, that's how you placate it on like having a longer contract. Cause I, I need a longer contract. So I need to, I need to create culture. I need to, I need to bring my own guys in and I need to sing the cycle. And I just don't operate like that. I don't think it takes four years to incorporate culture. I think it takes belief. I said, the faster you believe and the faster you understand why we're doing and, and what we're doing, how we're doing it, all right, to understand the why behind everything, the purpose for it, the, the faster people believe, the faster players believe, the faster everyone believes in what we're doing, that's, that's culture creation. It's what you think, say, and do, right? So if we're going to talk about manifestation right here and get a, little, get a little spiritual on it, a little metaphysical on it for you, I mean, what is culture? People are, what is culture? It's what you think. So I got a thought going on in my head right now, and I need to understand if that thought is something I really want there. So I have to be intentional with my thinking. All right, so that's what I think. And then what you think becomes what you say. So whatever I'm thinking, I'm ultimately going to say that. So I tell our players all the time, if you know, they, they went through three days of workouts here, and if they're a little bit sore because they haven't done things that we've been doing, the next day they, they wake up and they're thinking, man, I'm pretty sore today. Like, they're telling themselves that. They're thinking that. And all of a sudden, they're going to go tell their other teammate, man, I'm pretty sore today. And now the next thing that happens is think, think say, do. So what, what you speak is what you seek. And what's going to happen here is now that they're thinking they're sore and they're saying they're sore, they're going to end up taking shortcuts because they just don't want to push through. So they they end up manifesting having a bad day or having a down day because their their belief system, their culture that they established, even if it was for a day, a microculture for a day, they think, they say, they do. That's what it is. And so we're trying to repeat habits of excellence on a daily basis to make sure that what we're thinking, what we're saying, and what we're doing aligns with who we are as a culture. And uh, you, I, I love to plaster stuff all over the walls because I like to reinforce what people think. 
So people are like, oh, culture isn't what you put on a wall. And I say BS. Like if we want our players to think and act and, and speak a certain way, then we need to reinforce those habits on a, on a consistent daily basis. So that way we can establish our culture and our belief system faster. And if we can get to that point in a year, like in Missouri Western, where guys were really, you know, we, we, we battled, we won some games, we doubled the win total. And then in year two, we hit the tipping point just because, and we were three and eight at Christmas in year two, big dog. So it wasn't like we're sitting here like year two, we just popped up and we're getting it going. AD sends me a phenomenal message at Christmas saying, I believe, we all believe, just keep keep going in the same direction. We're with you. Like that type of belief that they have in you reinforces what you're doing for them. And next thing you know, you you win 13 straight home games. You go, you win 13 out, you know, 15 out of your last 17 games. Uh, and then you flip it because you hit the tipping point. And so for me, um, that's that's what culture is. That's that's what Missouri Western was. That's why you take these jobs is because you can you can believe faster. I believe more. I believe harder than everybody else out there. And in turn, my players are going to have to start believing because you got to keep up with me. You know, this is not on my like questions I was going to ask you, but as you're talking about this, I have to ask, are you are you a Ted Lasso fan by chance? Like everything you're saying, like I'm I'm like I'm just getting all these vibes, maybe because I was watching this recently, <laughs> but like I love it. Like and you got you have the belief and like all of that. Yeah, I mean, I, just, I love Ted Lasso. My wife's about the only show she'll watch because my wife doesn't like anything gory or anything scary or yeah, she doesn't like any of that stuff that like, you know, regular dudes just watch. She's like, she'd rather watch Peppa Pig with the kids because at least it keeps the, you know, keeps the spirit clean. But Ted Lasso is a phenomenal series. I mean, I, I'm watching it now too. I don't, don't spoil it for me. I didn't watch last night. But, right, um, I'll stay out of that one for now. But just, no, they're just, just yeah, the crossovers, ahead. right? The crossovers of, it's, it's his life too. We're not just coaching basketball. Like I'm not, I, you'll hear coaches say, we're not curing cancer. And I agree, we're not. But what if we're creating or helping mold young men who end up developing a cure for cancer or end up yeah, having the motivation and inspiration to do more than just be a basketball player or be somebody who played college athletics to give more and serve more in life. I think that's just, uh, we get short-sighted sometimes and w- the impact we can have. Because Sherry Cole sent me a note a long time ago and I still have it to this day. And it says, never underestimate your potential impact. And I think everything that we do in this profession as coaches is about delayed gratification. Uh, we don't we don't get thanked uh, in the in the short term, in the in, in the micro. Uh, we get thanked in the macro when our players have wives and lives that they got to go lead. Uh, then they take the lessons they learned from college or athletics and say, you know what? Thanks, coach. And that's that's the that's the satisfaction, the delay gratification we get. So it's it's pretty rewarding in that sense. But I love Ted Lasso. Yes. Uh, you put you to uh, you put together your staff pretty quickly. Um, can you just walk us through that process of how you got the people you wanted in such short order? Yeah, I, I think a lot of a lot of what com- comes with any job is is fit, right? Just like recruiting players is is fit. Um, guys that I've known, uh, guys that understand the region that understand the landscape. I mean, Zach Malvick is from Holman, Wisconsin. I mean, he's played in two national championships, one, one. Uh, he's a local guy who's recruited locally his entire life. He's associate head coach at Winona State. He's been running, uh, helping run the offense uh, for Eisner down there. And always like Zach's just personality in the sense of like just how level-headed and poised he is. I'm a little bit more up, right? He's a little bit more level. And so I think you don't ever hire yourself, but I try to find men of, of certain traits right i want a disposition of consistency because the best ability is availability period end of story so at the end of the day uh, i don't care how good you are if you're never available what what, i mean what good are you and so the best ability to me is availability with the staff um so you got zach you got you got nick reynolds um 
known Nick for the last three years now, what I've come to find with Nick is Nick is just a high level human being in the terms of the quality of his care and the quality of his connection, uh, how much he, he, he loves on guys and can mentor and lead. Uh, and all these guys have, you know, I, I always say like division two backgrounds and, and different backgrounds they are not just been division one guys and they haven't been just implanted in high majors where they just had nothing but, you know, five-star meals and, you know, Michelin, Michelin chefs, you know, cooking for them, you know, it's like, no, we, we know what it's like to beat the budget. You know, you know how to grind it to find it type stuff. Uh, and, and then, and then you got Pat Monahan who like to me, Pat Monahan was crucial just because Pat is, uh, ultimate, ultimate coach. Uh, he's been in the Jay Billis leadership Academy. He's, he's always learning and always developing and always to get better. I knew when I was at Northern state recruiting against Pat Monahan, it was one of those things where I'm like, shit, I better, I better dig a little deeper on this one. Cause if Pat's involved, like I got a battle to get into and, He's just relentless in that aspect. He's an ultimate connector. Uh, he's literally, he, he is the most available guy I've ever been around. Like I'd be going through this process and I'm just talking to him at like 11 o'clock midnight and he just picks up the phone and just will chop it up for two hours. You know, he just, that type of guy is what you want in the trenches. And he's just had the experience at every level from division two to he's been in the horizon league at Milwaukee. Uh, then he was at SIU with Mullins and he's got a phenomenal background with just the different coaches he's worked with and under and for. And then defensively, too, I just I love, you know, how he can bring a little defensive minded presence. Well, uh, Zach can balance kind of the offensive side. And then uh, Nick is kind of our special situations guru and just kind of let them all dial in a little bit more on those things. Uh, but to me, it's just about finding a complete staff that works well together. Like we have to be very you know, like a hive mind with bees. Right. You know, we have to be very harmonious in that sense. And we can't have time going back and forth on. You know, how do I talk to coach? How do I not talk to coach? We just we communicate efficiently and effectively, and that's how you get stuff. That's how you get stuff done. And then, and then we kept Adam Owens, who like I can't forget it, AO uh, on staff as director of basketball operations. Just every it's like one of those guys where you have everybody has a walking resume. I always to give advice to young coaches like who you are, what you do, it stays with you, uh, and so they always remember every interaction they had with you. And so AO, everybody around here was just like, dude, that guy's high level. He's awesome, awesome human. Like you got to keep AO. You got and it's like you can't run from that stuff. You did you did that good of a job where everybody loves you, man. St you're staying, bro. You're staying. All right. So with this interview, I'm going to jump around a little bit just to kind of keep you on yeah. your toes, right? So let's get away from basketball for a minute because I want to learn a little bit more about you. Where does the name Sundance come from? <laughs> my hippie mom and dad. You know, I'm, it's funny. My dad's a little bit more of a free flowing natural spirit. My mom. My mom is she's awesome, man. She's been she was a teacher for like 40 plus years. Um, she's she's a high level educator high level human being, both my parents led with love, you know, growing up. And uh, I, I just say this, like this, the Sundance name was a blessing. I thought it was a curse when I was younger. I just, I was always teased all the time. Plus I was really skinny. My last name was Wicks. They call me Sticks Wicks. So like, it's just like Sundance. I didn't even realize that that was actually my name. I just, I kept thinking I had a different name. I thought it was a nickname. And you weren't uh, finding that on a keychain anywhere, like in no, the gift shop, were you? No, you don't. Like, especially when you travel right into the Grand Canyon, you know, you walk in the gift shop, they got Mark, Barb, Tom, Dan, Al, Luke, Kelsey, and my brother and sister named Luke and Kelsey, you know, and like Sundance. You're not getting that one. It's kind of, I kind of felt left out in the trinket side of life. So, um, but no, I, there was just, there's so many signs growing up. I just firmly believe that my mom had the ultimate crush on Robert Redford. So, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance kid, you know, Paul Newman, Robert Redford, I just like, my mom had the biggest crush on him. And, uh, she, when my dad said we're going to name our firstborn kid Sundance, uh, I think she thought she was he was a little bit crazy. But then I, then she kind of goes, well, you know, Robert Redford's pretty good looking guy, I think. And I used to have really phenomenal hair. I mean, I used to have this blonde afro. All right. It was like flowing locks. It was just like 
you picture me like slow motion, you know, like just the basketball version of Baywatch, you know, that's, you know, just, just hair flowing everywhere. I don't know if you've seen, we have some of those old pictures of Greg Campy from like the 70s, you know, Greg yeah. Campy was, you know, a resident old man around here at this point. Yep. Right. But like, yep. we're going to probably need your photos too. Like, so, so we can kind of put those side by side and, you know, figure out who had it going in their I prime mean, at the best. I look like I played in the ABA with my hair. You know, that's kind of what it is. Like those old pictures too, where you see like pictures, old old Dave Bus pictures around here are phenomenal. I love them because it looks like Dave Bus like was a star in semi-pro. Like this is like, yeah. I just, every time I look at him, like that's, that guy like knows Dick Pepperfield for sure. Yeah. There's no question. That, that's quite a throwback coach. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, for those of you, uh, for those who are not familiar, uh, you know, you're, you're kind of made famous by your phrase, bring the juice. Um, can you kind of summarize, I'm sure I could take an entire podcast on you its could. own. Um, could you at least summarize what you mean by that? Yeah. I, I, to me, it's intentionality, right? And I, I try to teach our guys every day to be intentional. Um, we want to, we want you to go through life intentionally. Uh, so you are, you can become the, the victor of your life and not become a victim of circumstances, right? You can't let circumstances control you and, and situations affect you. Uh, it's your choice. You can choose, you know, your attitude, your effort, your actions, and your reactions. I always say there's four things you can control in life. You control your attitude, you control your effort, you control your actions, and you control your reactions. And to me, like that's part of part of the the mystique and the, the mantra of bring your own juice is I want each of our guys to bring their own unique juice or spirit to every situation. True authenticity. Uh, I don't need you to bring my juice. I have my own juice, right? I don't need you to try. It's it's hard to be somebody else. You should just be yourself. And so what we're trying to, this is all about a journey of self with our guys talk all the time about this is journey of self. I think one of the biggest keys that you can do in this process is is to learn about who you are. And so the journey of self-awareness is understanding who you are at a high level, but more importantly, understanding who you are not. And I think a lot of us try to be somebody that we're not. So understanding who you are not is important too. I am not a calm, uh, cool, collected customer. That's just not who I am. And so my juice is a little bit more outgoing, a little bit more gregarious. Uh, it's a it's a little bit more excitable. I, I mean, I might get goosebumps, you know, five to ten times a day, day just because I start thinking about things. And I'm like, oh man, it gets me riled up, and I just start getting 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 the chills, you know. Um, where my wife is, she's a high level introvert. Does that mean she doesn't have juice? Absolutely not. Like she has that steely eyed, quiet confidence, uh, you know, poised demeanor, uh, where I, you know she gives you that look. You know, when you're not doing your job, you know, as a husband, she gives you that look like, get off your damn phone. You're with the kids. You know, she's got real juice. And so I, that's her juice. So when I say bring your own juice, when I'm talking about that is BYOJ all day, man, that's just your entry fee to the day is to be completely and uniquely and authentically you. And Sonny, stop. I, I got I got to know, how yeah. well do you sleep at night being <laughs> such a high energy guy all day? <laughs> you know, it's funny. I. Like I'll always be like, it'll be like, it might be eight, nine o'clock at night. This is a bad habit. This is my toxic trait right here. You know, like caffeine probably makes, I think it makes me sleep. It's weird. Like I could drink a Coca-Cola classic at night, like nine o'clock and just go right to bed. My wife would be like, I would be up till 4 a.m. You know, I, it's, it's a, so it's one of these weird counterbalance type things, but I, yeah, I don't sleep very well. Um, as you could probably tell, it's just kind of always just, but when I do, when I do like, when it does like just kind of click and I, I hit the I hit the pillow like I can be out pretty hard I go wake up there'll be drool on the pillow and stuff like that I'll be out but when I'm up it's just kind of like hit the ground running there is no warm-up I don't have to like go kind of you know walk around for a little bit stretch my arms it's like I'm, I'm ready let's go 
we're in it. So, yeah, so bring your own juice, man. Like, you got juice, you got juice. Uh, our goal is to help you find it as players, I think, because we have identity crisis, right? It's We're playing basketball, so we think we're basketball players. It's what you do. It's not who you are. Uh, your identity is going to go a lot further in life by you understanding who you are versus what you did. And the basketball is a vehicle. We all know that it can help you uh, enter into other areas and avenues in life. But it's if that's your identity, your identity is going to come crashing down here pretty soon. Well, you seem to have dove, really dove headfirst in building bonds in the Green Bay community, um, starting with the uh, women's WNIT game. Um, sunglasses, or should we say sunny glasses, were a nice touch. Um, so you definitely, um, you know, and, and, you know, interacting with alumni. I see, I see you've already met Jim Saro, by the way. Yeah, Saro's all, he's all over the place. He's super, man. That guy's all over. Like, that guy's, that guy's in the trenches. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Can you describe your philosophy on the importance of making those connections right away? Yeah, like it's still mad. I mean, it's just kind of who I am, right? This is this job requires all of that. I mean, like there's certain jobs, like I said, you can go get a job where you just got to come in and coach, plug and play. Other jobs, you know, maybe they need you to be a little bit more external. Maybe they need some more help, you know, creating momentum out there and and, and in the community. Yeah, this job is all encompassing. And my philosophy is is. It's pretty all-encompassing. I can break it down to the three C's and really easy for me. It's care, connect, and compete, right? Um, and so the caring part of this is, you know, this 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 game that we're playing is transitioning to a, to a state where, you know, we as leaders have to take a lot more accountability, a lot more ownership in how we're leading young men, right? Um, the caring side of this is important. I'm seeing a lot of kids right now that, you know, I'm recruiting, whether it's in the portal or uh, the first thing I'm hearing out of their mouths, as coach, I just want to, I just want a coach I can, that, that cares about me and I can connect with. They're, I mean, they're a lot more mature in their emotional intelligence nowadays than they used to be, right? Um, it used to kind of just be like you listen to your parents. They told you what to do. And if the coach was the coach, they said, do whatever the coach says. I don't care how he says it, what he says, do whatever the coach says. Now they're, they're growing up in this society where they're learning and they're educating themselves about like what's right and what's wrong from a, from a moral standpoint, right? From an ethical standpoint, from a let me compare it to somebody else's situation standpoint, probably more so than anything. And they see these things and maybe it's not all true, right? Because they see these things that happen on Twitter or whatever. And they're like, oh, I want that or I want this. And really what it is, is when you get behind the curtain, uh, they just got to know that you care. And when the parents come in, they got to really understand that you care. And and it'll happen fast too, because if you don't, it's, it's, it's a quick call nowadays. It's a, it's a quick, I'm in the portal nowadays type stuff. Uh, and so the caring side of that is first and foremost, but the connecting side of, of the philosophy, the personal philosophy is, is equally important because if, you, if people don't care how much, you know, until they know how much you care. And once you get to that point, then we can all let our guard down a little bit and be a little bit more vulnerable. And we can start to connect as human beings and really get to the real side of this stuff. And that's been the part about this community that I've loved the most about green Bay is one, there's a lot of former alumni that live around here, but there's a lot of people who are committed to Green Bay in the Phoenix way. And they are, they want to connect. They want to be involved. They want to share in the sacrifice and the suffering so they can share in the success. They they want it. And I can't go anywhere without seeing somebody or being engaged with somebody where they're just so excited about what we're building, what we're trying to do. That, that, that piece is, I mean, it's a non-negotiable for me. I'm going to do this regardless if they ask me to do it or not. Uh, so it's just it's just better that now that everybody's boots on the ground and everybody's involved. All right. So then let me set you up for potential failure. All right. 
This is an important question. Sonny, you've been nothing but honest, so I expect your honesty on this. 100%. You're, the coach, yeah. you're the coach in Green Bay now, so put it out there. Who is your NFL team? 49ers. You didn't even you didn't even but didn't you even know blink. what? I respect nice. I respect it. Yeah, I, I'm a 49ers fan, man. Like I grew up in Wyoming, so here's the deal. All right. I I get I get to pick, right? You get one choice, you get one chance to pick. When you don't have an NFL team or or a professional sports organization in your state, like you just get it's like being a free agent. I can just choose. And I was very fortunate enough uh, that we had one channel growing up. I was fortunate enough to have one channel growing up, and it was NBC, right? So on NBC, a lot of times back in the heyday, what was on TV was the Niners. And it was Joe Montana. It was Jerry Rice. It was Tom Rath. And it was Brent Jones, right? It was John Taylor. It was, it was Bill Romanowski. Uh, you know, th- those, those, were the, those were the squads. And so I, I wanted to be a wide receiver. My first dream in life was I wanted to be an NFL wide receiver. I wanted to be Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice ran hills. We had a hill 14 miles outside of town where we were raised on Force Road. They'd go run the hills. I want to be like Jerry Rice. And that was my dream. Uh, so I, I was always a Niner. Now my brother, my brother, like we didn't, we never picked the Broncos, which is weird being like from Wyoming. Everybody basically like falls in love with the Broncos. They're like the closest team. And we stayed away from the Broncos because everybody else did that. So we bucked the trend. And my brother's actually a Chiefs fan. So it's, it's, it's like a weird, like, I'm the my dad my my dad's a Broncos fan my mom's a Broncos fan right but like I'm a Niners guy always been a Niners guy and I know this is probably gonna hurt a little bit up here because like the Niners in Green Bay we kind of have a little history we got a little history but that doesn't mean like when Green Bay is not playing the Niners like I'm a Green Bay fan right so like that's that's what I am and that's our college football team in town is Green Bay Packers so let's go tailgate on Sundays with Green Bay just if we play the if we play the other Bay. So Green Bay <laughs> plays the other bay. I mean, it's I might have to split it down the middle. That's good politic in there. <laughs> Very good. Yes. Um, yeah. So um, you were in the uh, you were very honest in your in an early interview about um, the co- every coaching regime in Green Bay having a winning history except the last one. What steps are already in place to get things going the way you want? Well, and I think we have to also digress and you know with the last last coaches. He, he, he got into a situation where it's never been done before in the history of college basketball. You're talking about COVID. You're talking about transfer portal. You're talking about NIL in the span of three years. So there is a little bit of like, you look at that situation, you gotta, you gotta look at it with, put an asterisk by it, right? Like, is that, is that fair to anybody that's, that just got that job in that time? Like, probably not. I mean, it's never happened in the history of, 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 of college athletics, <laughs> This is just a whole straight up shutdown of things, not allowing it. Mean, I know how hard it was at Wyoming when we got the job during the COVID year and having to put X's six feet apart all over the floor just so we could do contact tracing with our athletic trainer. In case somebody got it, we'd have the visual evidence that nobody was actually within six feet of each other because they all had to stand on X's six feet apart, you know, the entire time. I and mean, poor Dallas Fickner had to sit there and go through film after practice and just make sure like he literally had to track the amount of time someone was in someone's personal space. And it's insane. And what are we talking about? How do you do rebounding? How do you do blockout drills? You know, how do you, how do you play one-on-one? You, you can't. So to that extent, right, like I give a little bit of grace there to, to, to Coach Ryan and, and, and the last staff just because that's what they inherited. Um, so I guess what was the, the second point of your question? What steps are already in place to get things going the way you want? Yeah, I mean, that's one is recruiting, right? We got to recruit. Um, we got a roster to fill. Uh, two, it's 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 setting expectations and standards. Um, the big big personal believer in you raise the bar, you lose the losers, right? You lower the bar, 
you lower the bar, you lose the winners. And uh, we just have to continually raise the bar here. So the steps, you talk about the rise, right? So rise, and I, I'm a big acronym guy. You'll see this, I speak in acronyms. But if you want this program to rise, the R is raise the bar. The I is in, we have to involve everyone. That's part of the, the strategic plan here is to involve everyone in this community in the Fox Valley. Um, I mean, to be honest with you, the front lines of where we're recruiting, what we're trying to do have to be Fox Valley players. Those are the front lines for us. We need to storm those beaches, man. Like that's where we got to go get guys. We got to get local legends. We got to get regional warriors. We have to get those guys. Uh, and so hopefully you'll see here in the next couple of weeks if we can uh, we can get some guys to to come to Green Bay that'll they'll be from around the way. And I wanted to follow. I wanted to follow up. I wanted to circle back to the bond building. I know you. You've not only have you immersed yourself in the in the Green Bay community, but uh, I, and I noticed this in the press conference. You you absolutely immerse yourself just right away in kind of the his the the history of Green Bay. I mean, you already you mentioned Bus a couple of times. I mean, I'm old enough to remember guys like you know Gary Gresh and Jeff Norgard yeah. actually playing. Yeah. Um, Actually, I think we're all the same age, but, um, <laughs> but, um, but calling, uh, you know, understand, you know, you know, how is it, how important is it that you understand the history uh, th that of, of what the, the program has been and how are you able to kind of, uh, uh, how, what's the best approach you've seen kind of applying that um, as you are now at the helm of where all these other folks were like, you know, like, like Wardle, Kowalczyk, and, yeah. you know, Buss and, you know, uh, Dick Bennett and Heidemann, Dick and Mike Heidemann. Yeah. 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 I, no, I remember they got hired. That was like 1996. Yeah. It's, it's, it's humbling to be honest with you. I mean, I'm a big, my college coach taught me the value of, of history of understanding where you came from. You know, where this program has came from, who's been involved, who were the godfathers of it, who are the guardians of the game. I mean, Dick Bennett is obviously a guardian of the game. He's, uh, you still to this day see, see traits of uh, hints of uh, blocker mover offense, right? It's, it's always everything evolves and everything, it, it gets adaptability. But at the end of the day, there's still, there's still hints of it. There's still traces of I mean, crap. Tony's still doing stuff, right? Like he's, he's, he's grounded in that stuff. Uh, and so it's just it's the importance of understanding. Uh, players like Jeff Norgard, who are still around the area, man, are just massive resources for me. Uh, Cordero Barkley, who played here, who's at Titletown Tech right down the road. I mean, Wayne Walker was on the search committee. Uh, it was, it was Troy Cotton was down in Milwaukee. He came up for the press conference. I mean, those guys like Kiefer Sykes and Ramon Fletcher, just this dudes who are really, 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 really entrenched in, in the history of this program. Um, you, you just go down the list. I mean, there's Ryan Bor Borowitz is still around the area. Harry, Harry Boyce uh, is, is up and around the bay. I mean, so there's, there's people that are are either connected or closely associated with or, or live in this area that love the Phoenix. Um, th those things don't leave, right? You don't you don't just get to erase history. This isn't men in black. You don't get a neuralizer and erase it. And everybody decides like you're the coach. That's, you're the only coach that's ever happened, ever been here before. Um, and so what you do is you just you go back and look at how they did it. The, the success leaves clues, right? It always yeah. does. Uh, losing leave, losing leaves lessons and success leaves clues. So at the end of the day, you have to, to uncover what success is like. You have to actually dig deeper down to find those clues. That's why they call it clues. It's like if it was just a blueprint for you, they just hand it to you and you could go do it again. But um, unfortunately, we all have different personality styles. And so we have to coach to our personality styles and our, our, our God-given traits. And so you look at those clues, you look at the hints from the past, and you say, okay, I can replicate some of this. I'm not going to take all of it, but I can replicate some of this. Uh, and then, 
you know, when you're, when you're inheriting a program, you have to connect with the alumni. Uh, and I think we have like a 1969 society, right, which is something that's trying to ignite the future here for us. But we also make sure that we connect with those players in, of the past because they're they, – Hoopers love basketball, dude. Like, these guys are always around the game. Like, Norgard still coaches AAU stuff. Like, he sells – he's BSN rep, and he's, like, you know, most wide-known rep. But he also coach he, he never stops. He's moonlighting as an AAU guy, right? He's, he's high-level involved with the Phoenix up here. I mean, it's just that stuff is important. Uh, so Gary Gresh is right down the road at St. Norbert's kicking butt, you know, winning championships. So like, those guys are right around the way. Uh, so why why aren't we you know using those guys or why aren't we connecting or why are we you know getting them involved in what we're trying to do here? So when you talk about the history and you talked about a little bit about you know getting getting your players and everything, one thing that um, we've seen in some of the video content recently is a couple of players from last year's team that still seem to be at least around the program at this point. One of those is yep. uh, is Brock Hefner, and I just need to know from your standpoint, mullet or no mullet. <laughs> so. I, one thing I'll never be is there's some coaches who are sticklers on haircuts and stuff like that. Right. Got to cut your hair or whatever. Like, you know, crap. I, I had, like I said, I had wild hair. I don't care how you wear your hair. I just care that you're a good human. Right. And that you're about the right stuff. So you could do all the stuff. I, I try to look inside more importantly. So it, personally, I never saw him with the mullet. I saw the pictures. I mean, I think they probably could have done a couple things just to tighten it up. Like I would have really trimmed the sides a little bit more. I would have really fluffed up the back, to be honest with you, made this a little lighter up top. So if I'm just going to critique the mullet, I mean, I've seen some high level mullets in my day. And I just think if you're going to go full mullet, you got to go full mullet. So maybe that's quite solid that's on the mullet. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you realize you, you're, you're uh, yeah, as a mullet connoisseur, you would have kind of like, yeah. Uh, had a few, yeah. So, so he decided, you know what? I'm not gonna mess with that. I'm just gonna cut my hair. <laughs> just cut my hair, you know. Like, and if you're gonna cut your hair, right? Like, if you're like Adam Owens, who has like really, really nice hair, like you make sure you go get a nice cut. Like, you don't, you're not, don't get cheap on the haircut. You got good product. You got a nice little wave right here. Just make sure those things stay tight. So, just like I said, be who you are, man. If you're gonna own it, own it. But like, make sure it's high level. All right, coach. I know you're. I know you're a big Star Wars guy. So I I have some real important questions and no, it's not who shot first Han Solo or Greedo. Um, (laughs) No, my real question is um, how many times you have to tell people baby Yoda's name is Grogu. Yeah, that's a tough one. I mean, I just don't think they understand. It's, it's hard. It's, you know, you can't have rational conversations with irrational people. So like my wife, she's highly irrational. She will not watch Star Wars. She'll never watch it. She doesn't understand. She's tried to watch it a couple of times and she just screw, it just ruins it for me, to be honest with you. So anytime it's on, it's just like different rooms. We got to go. funny. My, my wife yeah. does the same thing, actually. I'm, um, I'm the problem actually, here. So I'm letting yeah. you two talk just so you know yeah. I'm staying out actually, of it. Actually, I do. Actually, I, th- that was actually, here, here's my serious question about it. So what was the moment that hooked you in to being a lifelong Star Wars fan, first and foremost? I mean, that's... Like, I'm going to go back to the, the childhood upbringing here. Like I told you, we had one one channel growing up, right? So there wasn't a lot of, on the tube uh, at the bunny ears. But we did have a, a VCR, VHS player, which these kids today, but it's like eight-track tapes. You know, they have no idea those things even existed. What's a VHS? Uh, the other part of probably a hoarder, like I just had my own personal storage. Like if Storage Wars bought my storage unit, they would find, you know, 500 DVDs and 600 VHSs still in there that my wife will not let me keep in the house anymore. Uh, so those are, those are they're gold to me. But... We grew up on, you know, Empire Strikes Back was one of the Star Wars that was recorded on the VHS, watch it over and over and over again. And so the Empire Strikes Back, right, is really the, the dark side, telling the dark side of the story for the first time. And uh, so I just grew up on that. That was the Imperial Walkers. I mean, for, I mean, you're talking the, the stuff for me, like that's that's what got me hooked. 
Ewoks. Um, you know, so that's that's real Yoda, right? Real Yoda, real real Dagobah system Yoda. And, yes. Uh, to me, like that that's what got me hooked was was Empire Strikes Back. There you go. There you go. By the way, uh, full disclosure: I was the as a child, I was the I was uh, the owner of a fully function uh, of the full Millennium Falcon. <laughs> oh man. Like I just, if I would, it was kept just it, one of. I don't know how, and I, I kept. I don't know how long I kept it. Basically, over the years, I like lost all the pieces, but the main structure was there. We could nerd out a little bit together. I mean, it's no, probably for a different podcast. We could do like an <laughs> offshoot here, but like we could definitely nerd out. I'm, yeah. I'm with it. I'm with there all that. Yeah. We probably have just about another minute or two here, Sonny. So with that, um, not to not to take away from the Star Wars talk. But <laughs> no, no, hey, please transition. What, you got it. What What else? Um, you know. In, Give, give us a recap. What should Green Bay fans know? What should the rest of the Horizon League fans know? Like, hopefully they're going to listen to this. I, th- if they're not, they're wrong because not because me and Bob are here. But man, it, you're such a great interview. But <laughs> what, what? Seriously, I mean, you, you and Greg Campy are like really kind of running like side by side of like favorite people to have on this podcast. You know, like just entertainment. I just got here, man. I'm not. I'm going to bow down to the Godfather Campy. I'm not going to take that. I'm not going to take that throne yet. He might send a hit out on me before he. Can get yeah, it. I wouldn't yet. But just know, like, I mean, yeah. very entertaining. But what what else should Horizon League fans know? What should Green Bay fans know? You know. Wrap that no, up for us. I'm, man, I, I love competition, right? I love to compete. This is this is what we do. Um, there's nothing like it. I was in a no profession in the world. I'm trying to tell our guys in the gym the other day. It's like you can like let it all out. Like when you're in a gym practice, right? You can let all the stress and pressures out of the day. Uh, you could kind of like get that animalistic feeling about it. It's it's a it's a space where you can just go be free, right? And that's what I think the value of this is. Is so many things that go on nowadays. We're just we're so cluttered. And our job is to declutter, right? We're so cluttered with everything from notes to I got a thousand things on my desk and cell phones and just clutter, clutter, clutter. And it's this chance of, that's why I think the workout routine is so important and just finding time to have mindfulness and just stay, get it, just disconnect. Um, so that's where, when we go to the court, I'm just helping the young man. Like we just go two hours, man, where we could just forget about everything else and just go to work. And so for the Horizon League, what I'm excited about is I'm, I'm excited to go, go build rivalries with fans and, and those like we're, they're gonna they're gonna come up with some good stuff man they're gonna make fun of my name and all that crap and they're gonna think it's really you know really unique for the first time that they oh Sundance you know nice name and I'm just gonna point at him be like good one let's try better next time it's better next time right so but those things I enjoy that I enjoy that I enjoy going in arenas with our guys and, and 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 going on the road man behind enemy lines these things are these this is so cool. Imagine if you were competing. Like, imagine if you're in an industry, right, and you're competing, um, and your financial firm over here, and there's a financial firm over here, and you said, today, we're going to go do our job in their firm, right? We're going to go take our offices into their offices, and we're going to go out and sell today, you know? And you're going to be like, and, and while you're in there, they're just talking crap, and they're just talking trash in your ear, and they're just like, you know, just trying to distract you and trying to throw you off your game. And then you come out of there and you're like, well, let's go. We, we just closed so closed a million dollars in sales today. Let's go, you know, over at Charles Schwab over here, you know, what, you know, like, I mean, this is, that's like what it's like. This is great. Like, what, how cool would that be? And everybody who sits there says like, ah, oh, you're just coaching. But like, think about how much stress and pressure our guys get when they go compete and the type of feedback they get if it's not going right for them on social media. Um, and, and nobody else gets to do that, right? No, nobody else goes on Twitter after a rough day and, you know, points out, you know, how bad somebody else did their job across the way in sales. You know, it's just, it, it, it doesn't, 
it doesn't, it's not like that. So we have to really, really do a great job of mentoring, like I said, back to it, mentoring and leading and uh, making sure that, you know, we do value athletics still, but let's not take it to the extreme where we, we just really um, demoralize a lot of people for what these guys and what these young men and, and women are given to their communities, to their programs, because as much as our staff is out there doing a lot of things on the front lines, these players are doing it too. And they don't, they don't just get a walk quietly uh, without people knowing who they are, where they're from, what they're about. So I appreciate you guys having me on, but let's keep, let's keep the horizon league competitive, man. Let's keep the horizon league on the rise, so to speak. Well, I'm going to start spelling horizon H O R I Z, right? Like H O H O R I Z rise, rise, baby. All right. Well, coach, Thank you very much for joining us. You know, the, this was great. Um, and of course, I of course I missed like half of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got real. The jobs. one time that the one time that I'm like, like I really need to get like, yeah, of course. But, you know, that was the good half. Yeah, you're adulting. Yeah, great guy. Yeah, get him, Matt. Get him. All right. So, so we can we can absolutely find you on Twitter at Coach Sundance. So follow him on Twitter at Coach Sundance. Guarantee you, not going to be boring. <laughs> And we we haven't even gotten started yet. We're still we're just still kind of we're kind of easing our way into it. Yeah, we're not trying to make too many waves right now. We're there you go. So you go. All right, and that's gonna wrap it up for us. So um, again, horizonroundtable.com. That's where all content and all our past episodes are. And you can pull us up wherever podcasts are found, and you can pull us up on your Amazon or Google devices. So tune in next time. Until then, thank you all for listening.